This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Howdy on this Wednesday, 20th day of September 2023. You know where you are. It's the Dan Grosser Show, 98.7 ESPN, as we are rolling till 9 o'clock. Then it's Gordon and Larry right here on 98.7. We've got Joe. We've got Harvey. They are producing the program this evening. And you can get me on Twitter at Dan Garanza, G-R-A-C-A. We'll have some fun tonight. Jordan Renan, who normally joins us on Thursdays at 8 o'clock. Well, because the Giants are playing tomorrow at 8 o'clock, and he's going to be a little bit busy covering the game. Jordan, out of the goodness. turning up Dan, 2020. That's true, Jordan. Goodness of his uh, kind little heart there decides to, you know what, I'll call in on Wednesday and fulfill his weekly obligation. So Jordan is going to join us coming up at 8 o'clock tonight. Talk a little giant football with him. We'll try to sprinkle in some baseball a little bit later on. I got some thoughts. Got some thoughts, as they say, about the situation of how things are going to play out after the season for the New York Metropolitans in regards to who's going to be making out the lineup cards next year. Uh, and we know that the Mets and the Yankees are essentially just playing out the string, and then all the interesting stuff is going to happen once October rolls around and thereabouts. So I want to get into that a little bit later, too. But it's going to be a football-heavy night, as you would expect. we got the Giants playing tomorrow. And then on Sunday, you got the Jets taking on the New England Patriots. And, and I figure that that is a good place to start tonight because – you know, when I tweeted this out a couple of minutes ago, just promoting the show here, and, and one of the bullet point items in the way that I phrased it was, when you think about this game on Sunday, obviously it's a big one, right, for a myriad of reasons. But if you want to, like, just narrow it down, this is the Jets' biggest game since when, right? I mean, think back to it. It's arguably the biggest game that Robert Salas coached since he's taken over the reins of this team, going back to 2021. I mean, this is a huge opportunity for this team against a hated rival, a team you lost 14 consecutive games to, a team that has essentially owned you, as well as the rest of the NFL, for pretty much the last 20 years, at least when Tom Brady was there, but not so much since. And the fact that you're going to be starting a quarterback who has struggled considerably against this team throughout his career. Add all those things up, And it's a game that the Jets have to win. Now, I know that you don't like attaching the whole must-win type of a label to a game, especially this early in the season. But I think that this one kind of qualifies. You know, it's not often in week three of the NFL where you're going to say to yourself, oh, you got to win this game. I mean, it's not like the Jets are even 0-2. And that's why it was so critical that they got that win week one, even though there was a natural letdown when Rodgers goes down to injury, yet they somehow found a way to beat the Buffalo Bills. And then they followed that up with a pretty uninspiring performance against the Dallas Cowboys just last week. So even though the Jets aren't 0-2, the New England Patriots are in this game. So you would think that they need the game more than the Jets. But think back to what the expectations were for both of these teams at the beginning of the season. Certainly they were a hell of a lot higher for the Jets. Nobody was saying that the Patriots were a Super Bowl contender. Not anytime soon. And I know that things have kind of adjusted since Aaron Rodgers was lost for the season four plays in. I get all that stuff. But the expectations are still there. This roster for the Jets is good enough to where you would think you're going to make the playoffs or you should make the playoffs. And that's why it's still a bigger game on Sunday for the Jets than the Patriots. Patriots lose and go to 0-3, essentially ending their season. Nobody is really going to bat an eye towards that because I don't think folks expected a hell of a lot from New England. I didn't. You know, you look around the NFL for this week. 
and the 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 slate of games. You got Cincinnati who's 0-2, right? They're going to be home on Monday night to take on the L.A. Rams. Cincinnati's a team that needs to get off the schneid and win a football game here. It's a pretty must-win game for them this week, especially when you throw in the fact that Burrow's got some issues with the calf and you don't know where he's at right now. Even if he is going to play, what percent is he at? And they just don't look like the team that we've seen the last couple of years. So it's big for Cincinnati, but it's big for the Jets too. Like I said, 14 straight losses to this football team. Seven years. Seven freaking years since you last beat the Patriots. And in the last couple of seasons, it's not even like you're talking about a Patriots team that's even considered amongst the elite in the NFL anymore. Not like they used to be. And last year specifically, you had two football games against this team, which you very easily, easily could have won. Maybe even should have won. But what held them back? The quarterback play. And the quarterback in his career has struggled against this opponent and against this coach, right? You all remember the game in Foxborough last year was the game that essentially Spelled the end of Zach Wilson as the Jets' starting quarterback, at least for the first go-round, right? He got benched for Mike White after the Patriots game because the offense just could not do absolutely nothing, and it had been building towards that. Throw in the comments after the game to the media, and that's where you were. So I'm sure that as a competitor, you mean to tell me that he's not going to be motivated a little bit to want to go out there and, number one, get a victory for his football team, especially off of last Sunday's result, maybe a little bit of personal satisfaction given how much he struggled against this team and this coach. I'm sure that he remembers it clear. Think about it. If that game doesn't happen last season against the New England Patriots, right, that's one of the driving forces that led Aaron Rodgers here. And Aaron Rodgers was great for four plays. Don't get me wrong. It was fun while it lasted. Hard knocks, preseason, oh, baby. But now you're back to square one again. And you got this quarterback that right now you have to sink or swim with. Those are your two alternatives. You know, speaking to the fans the last couple of days and, you know, certainly after the Cowboy game, there's like a segment of the fan base that I really and truly believe. And really this isn't in the fan handbook. But I almost think that like part of the fan base is just rooting for this guy to fail. And rooting for him not to succeed. Just so they could say, I told you so. Told you he's no good. Told you they should have went out there and got a better quarterback because everybody knew that Aaron Rodgers was going to get hurt four plays into the season. Everybody knew that, right? But that's not what this is about. And last night I was a little bit surprised that the tenor of our conversation when it came to the Jets was that there were some people out there that decided to shift the blame away from the players, away from the quarterback, the defense, the offensive line, and put it squarely on the head coach. And last night became almost like a Bash Robert Sala exercise on this show. Not for me. Remember, I'm just the moderator. I'm just the guy, you know, running the program here. That's all I am. I'm not leading the charge. I'm on the receiving end of it. But that kind of caught me by surprise. You know, I've been doing this a long time. But that one actually caught me off guard a little bit. Wasn't expecting that to come out of the woodwork last night. To where it's the head coach's fault. Okay, but if you want to play along, 
the reality is this is year number three. And they've had losing seasons the last two years. So that's why I began the program tonight throwing that out there that, in my opinion, this is probably the biggest game that Robert Sala's coached since he's taken over the New York Jets. And I know you don't usually say that about a game in week three of a season, but it represents so much more, right? You want to beat this team. They're in your division. I know that two and one and one and two is only separated by one game, but that one game might as well be worth 10 games in the standings. Just in your own mind, your feeling as a fan, right? Think of how nice 2-0 and would look in the AFC East when you look at those standings on Sunday night or Monday morning. Jets 2-1, and 2-0 and in the division. Think of how long it took for them to even win a division game for a couple of years. And now you start off 2-2. Two for two. And when you looked at this six-game schedule to begin the season, especially with these first three, if I said to you back in August, hey, you know what? Jets are going to win two of the first three games. These are the two games that you would want to win. These are the most important ones, division games. And if you're a believer in, well, you know what, just go three and three to start the year, guess what? You're two-thirds of the way there. And then you can get greedy. Then you can think about maybe even stealing another one out of those next three before the bye. When it's Kansas City and Denver and Philadelphia, right? And it's not out of the question to at least break even going into the bye week. And that is why this game Sunday is so huge and so critical. The crowd is going to be into it. The crowd, the fans, they want this game more than anything. They want to beat this team. And not only beat this team, they want to beat this team significantly. They don't want like a fluke. They don't want a bad bounce of the ball. But I'm here to tell you, just like the Giants last week, style points need not apply for this one. Just win the darn game. Right? 2-1 and one is 2-1. and one. It doesn't come with an asterisk. It doesn't come with any sort of disclaimer. You win the game, you're 2-0 and oh in the division, and you move on. Yeah, in a perfect world, you'd like the quarterback to play well. Right? I'd love to be able to sit there on Sunday afternoon at about 4.30 when Greg and I sign on to do the postgame show, and we're talking about a nice, tidy, start-to-finish victory over the New England Patriots where the quarterback plays good, solid, fundamental football, doesn't make any miscues, actually makes a couple of really good throws, leads maybe a few good scoring drives, you know, puts points on the board, doesn't look like he's overwhelmed, doesn't look like he's confused at all by the scheme, by the coach. You know, when you look at the New England Patriots, too, on defense, they got a couple of good players, don't get me wrong, but it's still heavily predicated on scheme. And Belichick's been doing this forever. And what he tries to do is he tries to confuse the hell out of you. And it has worked so far against Zach Wilson over the last two years. Or since Zach has been an NFL quarterback. So why change? I'm sure they're going to throw some different wrinkles at him. They're going to have guys coming at him probably from all over the field. And he's not going to know which way to look. And then you hope, of course, that the offensive line is going to aid and assist a little bit, more so than they did against the Dallas Cowboys. You don't got to deal with a Micah Parsons, okay? You don't have to deal with that monster on Sunday. That's the good news. But I got a Matt Judon who's pretty darn good. Not quite Micah Parsons, but Matt Judon's good. Matt Judon's had some big games against the Jets here. Line's got to be better. 
Got to run the football. More importantly, got to win this game. They have to win this game. I know the season's not over at one and two. But you live in the same climate that I do. And you know what things have sounded like over the last 72 hours since they got absolutely annihilated by the Dallas Cowboys. A good Dallas Cowboys team in their building. What do you think that conversation is going to be like if they don't get it done on Sunday against the Patriots? And now we're talking about 15 consecutive losses. With a quarterback that's now going to have two straight losses. Confidence probably waning, diminishing. Certainly from the fan base, because some of them are halfway there already. But then what about that locker room, more importantly? And what you all thought was going to be a special season, what they thought, the league thought, was going to be a special season for this football team. Potentially slipping away just three weeks into the season before you even get out of the month of September. They can ill afford that to happen. You know how you avoid it? You go out there and take care of business on Sunday. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Do plenty of Jets tonight. We'll also do plenty of Giants. Like we told you last night, don't buy into the Saquon Barkley. He might play stuff for a second. Gamesmanship, if anything. Let the other team think that he's going to play so that they have to spend, even if it's 10 more seconds of their time preparing for the game on Thursday, that they might have to deal with number 26. Well, Giants put a rest to that today. Saquon's not playing. Wise decision. Get him healthy with the extra few days off for Monday night against the Seattle Seahawks. But other guys are going to be out of the lineup too. We'll get it all into uh, we'll get into it all with Jordan Renan coming up at eight o'clock. He joins us in his uh, weekly spot. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better with the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country. There's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle tonight la quinta tomorrow you shine book direct at lq.com this is the dan grasa show on 98.7 espn so if you listened to the show last night you heard my adventures getting into the city with the um cracked windshield that i suffered 
I'm happy to report that the crack has not expanded and not gotten any bigger in 24 hours, which is good. A positive. Yeah, exactly. That's what it sounded like. So I made the appointment. They're going to be able to take care of it on Friday. I guess it must be cracked windshield season because they couldn't get out here any sooner. So Friday morning, we get it taken care of, and uh, hopefully things will be stabilized. But it's just distracting, though, because I'm driving, and it's, it's on the driver's side. It's protruding out of the side, so it's like you can't help but look at it. It's distracting more than anything else because I'm just so fixated on the crack now that I'm not even paying attention to anything else, which is a problem. It's not good. But we made it here in one piece today, so hopefully we could do the same driving home. All right, 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Um, moments ago, Cam Akers, Rams running back, traded to the Minnesota Vikings. Remember, his, his role had kind of been diminished there in L.A. Kyron Williams had become the guy, and so – Minnesota, which we, which moved on from Dalvin Cook, of course, during the offseason, handed over the reins to Alexander Madison. They get another backfield mate there. And remember, Kevin O'Connell, who was there with the Rams once upon a time as an assistant, knows the player. So hopefully he'll have some more workload in that system for him, and uh, we'll see. But, you know, the, give the Rams credit. Like I said, you know, the way that they played for the first two weeks of the season surprised me very much so. And, and I thought it was going to be a very tough season for them. But, you know, the fact that they're 1-1 one and, one and you know, they've been in these games, what more can you ask for? All right, let's go to the phones. We're talking Jets. Big one this week against the New England Patriots out at MetLife Stadium. We will start it off with Ira in Staten Island, who's first up here on 9870 ESPN. Hello, Ira. How are you? Hey, good evening, Dan. How are you? I figured I'd get in with this Jets stuff before the Giants play Niners. Um, you know, it's amazing. You look at the patch roster, and – Offensively, there's not one person on that roster that actually I'd be even worried about, except for maybe Jacecki, who's had his wonderful days when he was a Dolphin yep. against the Jets, who always would kill him. But besides that, I mean, the Jets defense should be able to handle them. I know Jones has played good football. He's been efficient. He's completed almost 70% of his passes. To me, this game comes down to the mistakes. And it always seems when we play, play the Patriots – will make a critical mistake, and it's going to cost us a game or it's going to cause a game to get out of hand. If we just play mistake-free football, if that's possible, and run the ball and let our defense dictate this game, we'll have a shot to win. But my biggest issue is how could I discount Belichick? Even with a diminished roster and we're so much better than them on paper, how do I – I can't – I can't give Belly. I have to give him the edge because of his his background. I mean, he's probably the best coach that ever coached in the NFL. But you know what, Ira? If you limit the mistakes, and I thank you for the phone call, they're beatable. Everything you said, and look, I, I told you, I talked about it yesterday. You know, I watched that tape against the Miami Dolphins. You can expose that defense. All right? Just in terms of personnel, there's going to be a lot of Sundays where they're going to step out on the field and they're going to be out-talented and outskilled by the team on the other sideline. But what's going to make the determination between winning and losing is if you could go out there and out-execute them. You know, Sauce Gardner said something earlier today in the Jet locker room about the Patriots, but on the other side of the ball, their offense, because obviously that's what Sauce has to deal with as a, as a defensive player. Here's what he said about the offense. They don't really have a complex offense. You know, it's pretty simple for, like, the quarterback to get. The gap scheme, everything is really, like, simple, but it's like they excel at it. What they try to do is get other people to mess up and make mistakes. And, you know, they just do everything right. See? 
Execution. Simple as that. What's, what's Belichick? You've been watching him for 20 years. Mic'd up and on the sidelines and all those things, telling his players, do your job. That's it. Play within yourself. Play within your assignment. Assignment football. If you do that yourself, you should be able to beat that team. Again, look at the two games last year against the Patriots. They were there for the taking by the Jets. There for the taking. But they made mistakes, and it ended up costing them. Also a little bit of an iffy call from the officials on that rough-in-the-passer play on John Franklin Myers that negated a Michael Carter pick six in the second quarter of that game, which probably the Jets win by 30, at least at the one at the Meadowlands if that one stands, but it didn't. And by the way, uh, speaking of roughing the passer penalties, John Franklin Myers, the NFL apparently ruled, uh, not that it's going to do the Jets any good, that as we all kind of suspected, the play against Dak Prescott on Sunday should not have been roughing the passer. So, um, again, I don't even know. <laughs> you the Jets, you say thanks, but no thanks. You know, whenever you get a verdict like that from the NFL. Let us say hi to uh, Eddie and Rockland up next here on 98.7. Hello, Ed. How are you? Eddie. Eddie, going once. Going twice, we move on from Eddie. Bad cell signal, right? Jared's in Jersey. He's up next here on 98.7. Hello, Jared. How are you? Hey, man. How are you? It's good to talk to you. Um, so today, I, you know, I, I, was, I was a little hostile with your screener because I'm, I'm upset with Robert Sala, and I feel like he's not getting enough criticism. Uh, you look at Sunday's game, he was completely outpoached. His... Mm-hmm. Uh, his defensive schemes, Mike McCarthy tore it apart. Quick passes, get the ball out. We know they're going to blitz. Let's get the ball out quick. And it worked. And the part that angers me is that nobody criticizes this man. He is absolutely flawed as a head coach. And then today in his press conference, he tells us that he's not going to shake up the offensive line because they ran for 180 yards against Buffalo, which is absolutely ridiculous. Because if you put this offensive line up against a good defense, they're going to fail. And they did fail. And Buffalo, I understand they have some guys on that line, but they're not as strong as Dallas, and they're not as strong as a lot of the teams that we're going to face. We have to start understanding that Robert Sala might be flawed to the point where we might have to make a change. I'm not trying to start the hot take, but it's, it's ridiculous, his stubbornness is a major flaw. He doesn't want to change anything. And I told your screener, he had the audacity to tell us that the game was out of reach, okay? It wasn't out of reach when you were coming out in halftime. It was 18-10, mm-hmm. and Nathaniel Hackett and Robert Sala did absolutely nothing. I mean nothing. Well, what did you want them to do coming out of the locker room? Because, they, I mean, they got I'll, the ball first, you. and they went, they went three and out. Yeah, exactly. They went three and out because they ran the same sets. They should have ran a two tight end, three tight end set and just pound the ball, control the clock, turn, turn the tide in our favor. And they did not do that. They came out and laid an egg with a game that we were only down by eight points. Don't um, tell us that the game was out of reach. Here's the thing. Well, no, I, out of reach, I think he was referring to, and Jared, thanks for the phone call. I don't think he said the game was out of reach to start the second half. Nobody would say that. I think what he was referring to was maybe in the fourth quarter more than anything else, especially when Zach Wilson threw those interceptions in the fourth. At that point, the game's out of reach, and you're just forcing things, and that's how the mistakes kind of stockpiled. Look, Jets were out-executed, out-skilled, out-everything on Sunday, but the Cowboys are going to do that to a lot of teams, right? 
You know what's funny? The Cowboys beat the Giants, what, 40 to nothing? Even worse than they beat the Jets. But where were the people calling for Brian Dayball's job after that one game? And I thought that, you know, I, I thought that we learned something. Just last night, even from Brian Dayball. Right? What Brian Dayball told the world last night about Saquon Barkley. And we played it on the show. Saquon, yeah, I wouldn't rule him out. He might play, might play. And then what happens today? We find out he's not playing. You know? Remember, when it comes to lineups and injury, well, not, not so much injuries, but lineups specifically and tweaks to the strategy, coaches are not compelled to disclose anything, right? Why would they tell the world, and specifically the New England Patriots or whoever their upcoming opponent is, any sort of changes they're going to make to the lineup? Because if they do that, it just gives the opponent more time to prepare for it. And they don't have to be truthful to the fans or to anybody. You know what? Watch the game and see what happens. Hey, I was surprised as anybody in week one when we found out 15 minutes or whatever it was in our pregame show that Carl Lawson was going to be inactive. There was no indication of that all week. Remember, he practiced. And Robert Sala certainly didn't mention that Carl Lawson was in danger of not playing the game. Brees Hall told us during our pregame interview Last weekend, when I sat down one-on-one with him, he said that he didn't even know if he was going to get the green light to play in that first game until the day before. And there was never any sort of an indication from the head coach or anybody that Brees was in danger of not playing. He was on a pitch count, and they were limiting his reps in practice, but there was never talk of him not playing. Got to wait and see what happens. Got to see how things look on Sunday. Before you sit there and blame the coach on this and stubborn on this. I do agree, though, that you got to get more three tight end sets, especially with this quarterback and especially a guy like Rucker. It's my guy. Five snaps is way too, way too little. He should be in there more. He's their best blocking tight end. One of the better ones in the NFL, too.